This episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty is brought to you in partnership with the Christian Standard Bible, Bible translation created to be accurate, readable, and shareable. You can learn more at csbible.com. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are talking about a topic that is maybe one of the most asked questions we get. It is a every time we do a training. So we do discipleship blueprint trainings a couple times a year. Uh, we actually just put that online. That's available now. You can purchase that training for your church. Uh, but one of the the things we get asked all the time, and, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but not in a, an all inclusive kind of way. So I wanted to make sure we cover all of our answers today. Uh, so here's the question: How do you implement disciple making? in a traditional church setting. And let me explain that a little further. So a church that has Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night prayer service maybe, or, or even a sermon on Wednesday night, um, Sunday school model on campus. There are no no groups in the community um, and, and maybe a Tuesday night Bible study and, and just you know all the things that go with that traditional schedule. Because a lot of things we talk about, people hear the discipleship pathway and they may immediately dismiss it thinking, well, in my traditional setting, I could never do this. Yeah. So how do you implement? Because you've served at a church that started at like in the 60s, not like 1960s, <laughs> but in the yeah. numbers, 60 people, 60 people, 60-ish people. And then you moved to a church that had near, nearly 1,000 people. 800. And then you moved to a church that had thousands of people, 6,000-ish here at Long Hollow. Yeah. So in each of those contexts, you had a different type of church. And I would say this church is a little bit more uh, contemporary in, in a sense in its model. So those first two churches, very traditional. So, Particularly the Brainerd Baptist. Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, weekly Bible studies. <laughs> yeah. That's a spiritual workout or a legalistic workout, depending on how well, you look at it. But that's the reality. That, okay, that even that model. Yeah. is a, I think, personally, a misunderstanding of how people learn and grow spiritually because hmm. that model is very Western. I've written about this in a book called The Forgotten Jesus. It's right. been a passion of my life, as you know. But a Western model is if we could just teach people more information, they're going to be more mature. That doesn't work. That, that doesn't compute. Right. Jesus proved that wasn't the case with the Pharisees. These right. guys could dissect the finer tenets of soteriology and eschatology for the Jewish nation, and, and they thought they knew the kingdom of God, and, and, and they had all the laws written and wrote that wrote down and they lived them out but jesus said they missed the heart of the whole thing these guys could check every spiritual box you, you give them yeah. but they missed the whole thing why because they knew a lot of information but they had no heart change the eastern culture is different chris and we've talked about this in a previous podcast i don't have to go into too much but the eastern culture learned through repetition and reiteration of right. information not just transfer of new information so place that onto the paradigm of, of the american church particularly and then you have this model where if we could just get people going to more services to learn more right, information right. and then at the end of the week with that traditional church model and pastor you may be in that model you uh, or, or minister you may be in that model 
you're learning one sermon on Sunday, different text on Sunday school, different topic, different sermon, different topic Sunday night, different text, different topic Wednesday night, different text, different topic Tuesday Bible study. Yeah, what about our culture makes us think that that is good, that that's going to help us in some way? That's actually an Aristotle uh, idea, a Socratic kind of way of learning back from Western Greek, how, how Hellenism came about. You know, I mean, Socrates, Aristotle, particularly Plato, kind of a Platonic model. Plato believed that if you had enough information, you can transcend the body, which was a prison, Gnosticism mm. eventually became into, and you could attain this level of knowledge and get into the higher levels of spirituality. So they were lifting up knowledge above everything else. Yes. And that has made its way into all kinds of areas, all, all areas of our society, essentially. Well, and, and yes, and I'm not against knowledge because I went to school. I, I mean, you, you, we, we like learning. Knowledge. We love <laughs> we love knowledge. I need yeah. more knowledge. Go people knowledge. Are, people are listening because they want to learn more knowledge. <laughs> but here's right. the thing. One of the things we've tried to do at Replicate, and, and, and you've helped a lot with this, is knowledge without action is useless information. Right. Okay. So you can know a lot of things. If you don't put that into practice, I mean, it's really useless. So what we try to do is make th- everything practical right. and applicable. So let's get into the question. Okay. So the question is, how do you get your staff, your people, and even your church schedule hmm. on board to do, you know, to implement a discipleship pathway, to make disciples effectively, because there are a lot of guys out there, and I've talked to many of them. Chris, as much as I can push on this to try and go in this direction, I've got a committee, I've got elders, I've got these lovingly godly deacons who will not allow me to do certain things. That's a, that's a whole other leadership question. But knowing that we have some leaders out there who struggle with this and honestly want to do it, and even their people can be resistant. You know, a lot of, like you said, it's a consumer mindset. I don't want to come to church. You feed me. I want to go home. It's, like, it's kind of like a McDonald's type deal. Swing yep. through the drive through pick up my spirituality. I'll see you next week. So how do we help those pastors make the tweaks necessary to move towards a discipleship pathway or at least implement discipleship groups in some way that doesn't upset the apple cart so much you lose your church or you end up being sent out? <laughs> you know? Well, that's the thing. Okay. So here's what you got to do here. Th- th- these are really good, helpful questions. Again, I did this in all different models of church. So what I'm going to say doesn't didn't just work at Long Hollow, which is a larger context, but right. it worked at all different contexts. Number one is this. You have to begin with the end in mind. Yeah. You have to decide before you start, what are you trying to accomplish in creating a disciple-making culture? What is the end goal? Okay. And so if the end goal is to create an environment whereby you stop, and here's what we do as pastors a lot of times, and I'm going to meddle for a moment, but we have a tendency to put more things on our people's schedules and then make them feel bad, Chris, for not showing up to those events. Right. On an, and now granted, I, I built them to spiritual maturity. Yeah. And I'm not, <laughs> listen, I'm not saying people should just stay home all week and not, not fellowship and, and gather with the body of Christ. But, but Sunday morning, obviously priority being with the body of Christ, gathering together, but it's it's empowering them to be disciples outside of the church context. If your right. whole ministry revolves around one day, then your people's mindset will start to drift to this is what church is. It's right. I come to a building, I gather with a body, and then when I leave, my spiritual life gets crumbled up and thrown in the trash like the bulletin does on the way out the door, right? right. So here's the reality. Begin with the end in mind. So you need to decide, okay, if my goal is to make an environment, create an environment here at my church whereby people have 
buffered time, they have margin in their schedule to be involved in discipling relationships, whether it be life groups in the home, whether it be Sunday school classes or whatever you call them in the community, or whether it be discipleship gatherings in coffee shops or in uh, Cracker Barrels or Starbucks. And so the reality is you have to realize, okay, what do I have to reduce in order to make time for them? What I did at Brainerd, I tell you what I did, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday uh, school, Wednesday night. I started with the shot across the bow on Wednesday night. And I realized that I had guys on my staff. You may have people in your church, young people, uh, young guys training to pastor and preach and want an opportunity. Brainerd, we had about 100 senior adults on a Wednesday night when I got there meeting to hear another sermon, another message by me in a prayer gathering. Did I love that time? Yes, I love that time. Was it a laid back fellowship time? Absolutely. But I just got convicted thinking another sermon by me on a different text undercutting the impact of Sunday morning's message right. to invest in 100 people to hear another 15 minute message was not the most effective use of my time as a <laughs> yeah. pastor. No offense, but it wasn't. Sure. I had a guy on my staff who was went to seminary with me. He was a pastor preacher and he was on my staff as a uh, associate pastor, I said, he's going to get up and preach. And here's what I did. I said, I'm going to go in my office and I'm going to take a group of four guys and I'm going to invest in them for the next 12 months. And you're going to be served well by Chris. Chris is going to preach to you and I'm going to my office. It was the shot across the bow because people would come after that. Guests would come to the church and say, hey, where's Pastor Robbie? Oh, and people say, I, I don't have. He's skipping out. I'm yeah, I don't have a nice. clue what he's doing. Who is he's in, a, he's in his office with four guys. What is he do? Does he not love preaching? Does he not want to preach to us? Right. I love preaching. Yeah. But I knew that I could have a greater impact by doing two things. One, by growing four guys deep in the word of God. But two is, don't miss this, I led by example. And that's the second principle. In order to change a culture, right. you have to lead by example. Leadership is sometimes taking, uh, making tough calls right. and taking a stand for decisions in spite of the people critiquing and criticizing you. Well, let me ask about that. So you said this is Wednesday night that you're going into the in the group. Yes, that you were nor- that normally at this church they expected a sermon on Wednesday nights, and then so talk through that. So it sounds easy. I just started meeting with the group in my office. So yeah, it's a little bit more than that. Show up one week and no. say, you know what? guys, here's what we're going to do. How did you roll that out? So the the pastor out there who would love to make this transition, Yeah. what were the steps that you took specifically to kind of get there? Okay. I had four guys in that original group. What's crazy about that, that four guy group is that every one of those guys is in ministry now. Wow. Only one of them was in seminary, Tom, but the other three weren't. One was a pilot, one was in medical school, one was a teacher, and one was um, going to uh, working at Publix, but he was going to seminary. All four of those guys right. are in ministry. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, sure. but, but God really got a hold of that group. So was that investment worth it? Yeah. I think so. Now, we're all in ministry. We're all in sure. ministry. But they, they surrendered to full-time vocational ministry. In fact, one of them's in uh, the Southeast Asia in a very difficult place. Wow ministering and okay so here's what we did we got in that group and uh we just basically did what we do in our discipleship groups even today we do five things we start with prayer yeah how was your week in prayer the second thing we did is we started to memorize scripture together and i think that group we did like topical memory scriptures in groups i do now and i I like to change it up chris i mean you can do different things i find for me personally and i've always done this with most of the groups to memorize books of the bible chapters of the Bible. Right. Here's why. You will never do this outside of a discipleship group n- normally. Okay. And and there's nothing greater 
than having an entire chapter or book committed to memory. So my discipleship group last night, it was the day that we all have been dreading, at least the the group was. We had a Come to Jesus meeting two weeks ago, and today we said we're going to catch up because some guys had gotten behind. So last night, we divided up. Now, when you quote long portions of Scripture, you can't do it in the group. It'll take forever. So what I do is I have a group of six guys, including me. We divide up into three groups of two. Okay. One group went in your office. One group went in. That's good to know. Yes, by the way. Thanks for your office. (laughs) Chris won't mind going here. Guy came out and said, this guy's a Dallas Cowboys fan. I love it. I said, well, Well, this year not so much. He doesn't talk about that this year, but (laughs) he normally is. But... (laughs) Go Saints at this point. Saint, you're you know a Saints fan. Des Bryant. I'm a well. That doesn't. Yeah. Help. Okay. That never mind. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So did you we, quote the passage? Here's what I did. I went in the other room with another guy, and we quoted our our group is up to chapter six. So we quoted. I quoted to him. He quoted, starting with Matthew five one, all five, all six into seven. I actually got it a little bit into seven. But here's the thing: we do that up front. Why? Because if I do it on the back end, we'll forget to do right. it, and the group will love it. Right. <laughs> Tom's up. Shucks. Man, I wanted to do Okay, number three is we do a here journal. If you don't know anything about the here journal, go to our site, replicate.org, and you will basically see the difference that makes all the difference in the discipleship group. Here's why. Because we're not lecturing to this group in order to give a passive response time where they just sit and learn. We are, as a body life service, encouraging one another with what God spoke to us that week. Right. So we do a here journal. This is what I highlighted, H. This is what I explained, E. This is what it means in my life, A, apply it. R is respond. Because of what I've read, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Then the fourth thing is we go through a book. Right now, our, and so we always start with Growing Up, which is the first book of the series I wrote. Sure. Uh, which is basically, if you don't know about Growing Up, all of our groups use Growing Up. It is a Cliff Notes book of all the spiritual disciplines in one. So Donald Whitney, Richard Foster, Dallas Willard. Wow. Uh, all of those books, John Orberg, all of those books are in one. But here's the thing. The first four chapters, just give you a little secret. Can you keep a secret, Chris? Uh, you know, I try to. I mean, I know I can. <laughs> there may be some listening. Who Should can. we tell them the secret? I mean, I'm always... Okay, you know, let's tell them the secret. Here's, here's, here's the secret. The first four chapters of growing up or a bait and switch. I know that's going to sound catch people off guard, but here's the thing. People read the growing up book wanting to have a closer walk with God. So I have an acronym I've created called CLOSER, how to communicate better, right. how to learn the word. Right. We talked about this a, a couple a couple of... Uh, well, maybe a long time ago. Long time ago. But just refreshing those for who didn't start out on the podcast with us. Okay. Um, we probably need to do a whole podcast series on the closer acronym, don't you think? Absolutely. Okay. Let's just give you the cliff notes. Uh, communicate how to pray. Right. I knew how to pray as a Catholic, but I knew Hail Mary, Our Father. I didn't know how to pray. I mean, I didn't know right. how to talk with God. Uh, learn is a whole chapter on hermeneutics or okay. how to study the Bible. The O is obedience, how to obey God. The S is storing up scripture, scripture memory. The E is evangelism, how to share the gospel, not as a pitch or Amway type spiritual presentation, right. but as a relation through a relationship. And then the R is how to record or to write a uh, here journal. Okay. Right. And, and the thing is people read that book and they think this book is for me. I'm going to grow closer to the Lord, which you will. But the first four chapters are a bait and switch. I make the case that you are not doing this for you, that you think you're doing this for you, but you're going to make disciples the rest of your life. So I plant seeds early on that we're going to bring to fruition later on. Mm-hmm. But the book my guys are using now is a is the second book in that series called Firmly Planted.
planted. Okay. And firmly planted is basically theology insights on the lower shelf. Gotcha. Because the problem is there, there are some great theological truths that we all need to learn. Assurance of one's salvation, uh, how to overcome temptation, uh, how to walk in the spirit. Amillennialism. No. No. Oh. <laughs> Millennialism is not in that Sorry. one. That, Sorry, I just, that would be one to talk about. But you see, <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about no millennialism. Asking that question, no, es- no eschatology's not in there. But it, but there are three chapters on spiritual warfare. Okay. There's chapters on how to pray to the Lord in in the midst of warfare. And my, my my favorite chapter is the identity chapter. This is the one, undoubtedly, Chris. People read through and say, "Wow." I always found my identity in possessions, in my finances, in my career, right. in my uh, my family, in your church, in your Uh-oh. church, oh, in easy. my ministry. Yeah. Yeah, you meddling now? You meddling well, now? So, so you you started this group with these guys, uh, clarified what it is you did with these leaders. So the people in your church now they're saying, so pastor's going to be meeting with these guys. He's going to be discipling these guys. Um, I don't like it. I yeah. want him preaching. Right. How did you navigate? I'm just. They guessing. never said that. They guessing. never said I'm that. I'm just guessing that maybe there was a little pushback. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think you'd pre- be right. Yeah. <laughs> How did you deal with the pushback from the people? Well, that that is a long answer to the pushback. Uh, I mean, uh, yes, there was some pushback up front. Uh, people didn't understand it. People thought, "Ah, this is you know why is that?" But but they and here's an, a great principle of leadership. It's a whole lot easier to repurpose something than to use the word kill or destroy or right. eliminate. You weren't killing Wednesday night preaching. Don't ever say that. No, I'm not <laughs> killing it. Here's what I did. It's it's kind of like what I learned when I had an addiction years ago. You can't just ki- kill an addiction or quit an addiction cold turkey. Right. And expect to have lasting impact. It's not going to happen or lasting sobriety. Mm -hmm. You have to replace the addiction with something more positive. It's kind of like the book of habits. Charles Duhigg, you remember this book, The Power of Habits? Yeah. What he said is to have a new habit, you've got, or to, to break a bad habit, you have to replace it with a new good habit. Okay. So what I told them was, you're not losing preaching. You're just going to, we're going to repurpose the preaching. So over time, they were okay Mm -hmm. with that. Even if you, and then eventually. How long did it take? In that uh, first church, that small th- church setting. Well, that was about 800 at Brainerd. That took, first church setting was a little different, but right. at Brainerd, which was a little harder shift, probably right. about three months where okay. people just stopped to play. The harder transition was Sunday night. Okay. Because <laughs> eventually. Yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about that. We've got a few minutes left for this podcast. Okay. I want to I want to make sure you help them just here. How, how did you deal with that transition? It was a little harder to win them over towards this process. First step, again, you leading a discipleship group. Yeah. You pastor going out, finding your three to five, taking the time to say, here's where we're we're going to go and and kind of driving the 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 shift there yeah. still maybe providing someone to preach or teach if you need to for a period of time like you did in your church setting but pointing out that the most important thing is going to be that we invest in people yeah. so how did it how did it play out in the Brainerd 800 so church, Sunday night was harder church. okay here's why because Sunday night we didn't replace it with anything we totally quote unquote repurposed it, it right which basically meant it went away right okay but here's the thing okay here's what you got to understand and and this is a great insight that I've learned years ago young leaders fail or, or misunderstand two things or, or really have a hard time with two things and I just don't mean young as an age I mean young in your position so right. you may be there a few years or a few months they tend to overestimate what God can do in the short term right. and they underestimate what God will do through them over the long haul and what happens is I think young pastors come into a new environment and they want to change things quickly and the and you got to realize 
The people that are there at that moment did not get there overnight. They're not going to change overnight. So here's how, let's take a page from the Apostle Paul. How did Paul motivate people to do things differently? How did Mm. Paul motivate people to live differently for Christ? Here's what he did. He does this in his letters. Paul uses a key word in his letters called therefore. You ever heard this word before? I do. What, do you, what is it there for? Yeah, the therefore is there for a reason. For let's let's figure out what the therefore is there for. Okay, Paul uses that term three times in the book of Romans, and he uses it as a crucial turning point in the book of Ephesians. Okay, here's what Paul always does, and he teaches us a great principle. Paul says orthodoxy always precedes orthopraxy. Okay, these are big words, but here's what this means: what you believe drives how you behave. A lot of people come in and want to say, you need to do this. You don't need to do this. Why are we doing this? We should be doing that. But they never give them a motivating or a compelling reason biblically Mm. to do it. And so they'll come in and flip and they flip the apple cart over. And the reality is there's some apple carts that need to be flipped over. That's right. But they haven't got, <laughs> they didn't get there overnight, right? And you just got there. And the reality is, Pastor, with the reality of how churches work today, they're probably thinking you're not going to be here long anyway. We'll outlast yeah. you. Sadly. Sadly. That's the yeah. And and that's a whole nother podcast. I mean, right. You know, God calls you and when God calls you to a church, he calls you to a city sure. and he calls you to impact the people. And so you got to be patient as a shepherd with people. So here's what I would say. When you go in, you have to be slow in teaching them why they need to do what they do. Here's what Paul does in Ephesians. He spends three chapters, Chris, telling them who they are in Christ. Blessed be the Lord God of, of Jesus Christ, who was blessed, or blessed be the Lord God our Father, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before us. Right. In him, we have redemption. We've been adopted into the family of God. Then he gets to chapter two. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the other spirit that is now working, the sons of disobedience. You therefore been saved by grace through faith. You know the whole thing. You're now adopted. Well, I don't, but you do. Apparently. Okay, well, <laughs> we memorize it as a staff a while back. Uh, but, and then he gets into you're part of the commonwealth of Israel. You've been adopted into the family of God. You're now grafted in. And then he gets to chapter four. Therefore, put off the old man, put on the new man. Don't live in your former passions and fleshes. Live as a new creation in Christ. So here's what Paul does. He spends three chapters telling them who they are before he tells them what to do. I think we can learn from that in the church. Many people come in and tell people what to do. And you can learn, Pastor, you can learn this in your own preaching too, which is why belief always drives behavior, not vice versa. So I would say the cool thing about this process is this. Let me sum it up. Be patient. Discipleship. Is, a, is not a microwavable recipe. It's a crockpot mm-hmm. recipe. It, it takes time. Right. It takes time. It ta- how long do you think it took you to get to where you are? Jesus. Still, think about it. Still going. Still, still learning. <laughs> still growing, right? Uh, be patient. Number two, begin with the end in mind. Number three, lead by example. If you do those three things and you be patient, you'll begin to see God bring to fruition the fruit of the harvest of the seeds that you sow uh, in the congregation of your people. Well, we're at the end of our time. Therefore, see what I did there. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Uh, as we as you know, we are part of. We are happy to be a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And this week, we want to talk about, believe it or not, making disciples with Robbie Gallaty. Yeah, is, right. This is the week to talk about <laughs> talk our about podcast. So uh, we won't do that. You're, you're listening already. But I do want to point out something new that we have available that a lot of people have been asking for. And honestly, it will work. 
specifically with this podcast we just did. We didn't intentionally plan it this way, but if you're struggling to implement, this tool can be something to help you out. First time we're releasing this. This is the first time. So we have been uh, asked before, you know, can you come train at our church? Pastor, can you come train our people? The strange thing is you can be saying the exact same thing, but when you bring someone else in, you know, the quote unquote expert, suddenly the people hear it. Yeah, Uh, it's great phenomenon. Yeah. Where's this been? You know, where's this? I've been teaching this forever. So, uh, so what we did is we have a discipleship blueprint. It's an event we do on campus, on site here at Long Hollow twice a year, one in March, one in September. We'll still be doing that for people who want to come and experience that. But we've now, for the first time, released it in digital format. So you can purchase it online, download it, train your people. Train your staff. It's like having us come train you. It literally, yeah. And you can train pastor, as many people as you want. Tim, you'll have Gus, you'll have Candy, you'll have Chris. And all of those things will be done in such a way that you can, at your own pace, train your people and your staff to implement this disciple-making pathway, start making disciples, and begin to impact your community in a way you never have before. So if you want to check that out, you can go to replicate.org slash by blueprint replicate.org slash by blueprint and, and get that for you and, and your you're missing out this is the crucial thing everybody who download or purchases the blueprint gets a copy of the, the manual the right. training i mean the, that's the, the the pdf of the training that's the freeze-dried gold yeah, of the whole thing say, you know when you take notes and you have that on the shelf you can pull that off and look at that at any time and access it's it. got diagrams that's and right. exercises and blanks and it's really helpful it's so. really really going to be a tool that you can use to implement disciple making in your church of any context Check that out, replicate.org slash buy blueprint. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org. We set out to make a podcast exploring how God uses scripture to shape and change the world. And I'll be honest with you, this has not gone the way we planned. Join me for a podcast series about the surprising ways the Bible works. Subscribe to Living Ineffective on iTunes and learn more at livingineffective.com.